Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guests for this episode are Northern Country Cooperative Area Manager Jeff Urban, Conservation Agronomist Megan Soland, and Agronomy Manager Nathan Augustine. Jeff, let's get the ball rolling with you and Northern Country Co-op's participation in the Minnesota Corn-Funded Sustainable Answer Acre Research Project. Kind of uh, at our location in Lansing, we had become landlocked there. So we, over a few years, had acquired some property. um, And the last piece was where our Sustainable Answer Acre is located right now. Um, That came together in like 2016, I believe it was. And then, oh, like the late winter of 2017 into 2018, um, got a contact from Dan Hoffman at the, he at the time, he was the uh, interim dean at the Riverland Community College here in Austin for the ag program. And they they were just reaching out at that point for um, a place where their students could kind of, I don't know, uh, playground is the right word, but you know, a hands-on area where they could do some testing and so forth and so on, some research, and get some get gain gain from that, because they were just in the process of developing their own soils lab there, and they were kind of expanding the program a little bit. Um, but about the same time, uh, Steve Lawler from Moore County Soil and Water District became involved, kind of via uh, Jim Kellogg, who was a uh, on our board of directors for Northern Country Co-op, he also served on the soil and water and still does. Um, you know, they got to talking about, at that time too, it was uh, the Cedar River watershed, the nitrate issues had really, you know, come to life there, come to the forefront um, with some pretty high reading stuff. So they were, wanted to try to work with someone to see if we could do some research to figure out if there was anything we could do to help mitigate that from the ag sector. Um, so it just kind of came together that way. Uh, that was in the spring of 2018. We enlisted the help of Joe, I hope I say the name right, Magner from University of Minnesota, researcher up there, helped us develop and put together the, you know, the protocol and so forth, how we wanted to lay out the plot. That first year in 18, we did put in some test wells to figure out the flow of the underground uh, water, just to make sure that we had everything orientated the right way for the plot so that it would be, uh, you know, fairly accurate or as accurate as it could be, I should say. And then um, 2019 crop year was our first year, um, you know, of, of uh, starting out on it. We started with corn and we've done corn soybean rotation since. And what we're doing out there is we do a difference. Uh, um, we're on half the plot, we're using, and Nathan will talk about this, but we're uh, doing conventional tillage or practices, BMPs. And um, on the other half, we're using cover crop. And he can go into further detail about what we're doing within each one of the plots um, out there. But, um, you know, when we put this thing together, I guess our, our mission to begin with was to conduct local research to share scientific results that help best help develop best management practices to improve our environment while educating and enhancing our communities was our mission. And our purpose basically is to provide some long-term research on this issue because we know it's going to take a few years you know we're looking at at least 10 years out to try to collect data that so we can start you know determining what's working what isn't the other component that came in 
besides the nitrates, which is maybe even a bigger portion of it, um, or will be bigger portion is the soil health aspect of this. So we're also working on monitoring that and doing some testing for that too, between the different practices that we're doing out there. And our group, our organization basically includes uh, made up of Northern Country Co-op. Obviously we, we have the, the land or provide the, the land for it. Um, we work with the Moore County Soil and Water Conservation District, Riverland Community College, University of Minnesota, and then we have local producers involved also in this project. But Jeff, before we turn it over to Nathan and talk more about uh, the plots and some of the results, I'd like to ask you about Minnesota corn's involvement. Obviously, for corn grower members, nutrient management is, is a big part of the farming operation. But how how would you describe Minnesota corn's involvement in this project? Uh, it's huge. It's it's probably the it's really the reason we're we're able to do this project. To be honest with you, to, just to get it off the ground, um, so that we can actually put together some some. Uh, data that we can put together in a format that we can hopefully publish and take to the public you know that's that's going to give us some results that our producers can look at evaluate at that point in time whether they think you know some of these practices maybe they want to adopt some of these things you know take components from here and there and kind of tweak their operations a little bit and you know we're we're, we're basically trying to uh, you know given this the test run on the smaller plot version here so that our Producers in this area can actually see, you know, results in this area. I mean, these practices obviously have been done in other places and other parts of the country, but we're also, you know, tackling different environmental issues and so forth and so on that, you know, you know, you need to tweak it a little bit, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And um, without the corn growers, I, I don't, I, I guess I'd say I'm probably 99.9% .9 sure that we wouldn't be where we're at on this project. That's been a very, very key part to this whole project and why we're where we're at. I would agree with you, Jeff, because grant that we received from the corn growers was really that that launching pad that allowed this to really move forward um, at a at a larger scale uh, to both look at especially the, the groundwater aspect of it. I mean doing a yield trial is is easier to do, but to um, add the wells, the observation wells and everything we did and have the ability to fund the uh, the lab work that needed to do um, that needed to happen to um, get the results we were going after. Um, the corn grower grant facilitated that and allowed us to move forward confidently, and that it was a big deal. Well, Nathan, let's let's dig into this project a little bit more now. Kind of lay out how the study is initiated, and you mentioned or Jeff mentioned that. You have some conventional tillage, you're using some cover crops. So uh, however you think is best at describing kind of the, the different setups that you have on, on these plots and uh, do that before we get into the results here the past three seasons. Sure. So this plot is located uh, on the Cedar River watershed, like Jeff mentioned. The, ver the uh, soil type is a silt loam going to a sandy loam. I usually refer to it as about 30 inches of dark sand on top of five feet of white sand when you dig through it. So it's very highly uh, well-drained uh, in our terminology, but the water moves through it very quickly, and uh, which makes uh, can be good and it can be a challenge, um, which is why this watershed has uh, given been given that target by the MPCA. Uh, 
as far as the nitrate issue because water moves through it quickly so does the nitrates that are in the water um, so what we've got in in our plot by lansing is essentially it's a seven acre field it's split in half we got about three and a half acres of um, what we consider conventional till and three and a half acres where we're doing no-till cover crop or uh, strip till for corn and in each of those three acre blocks we have nine test plots so we have a total of 18 and then we have three different nitrogen treatments on corn that we replicate three times and we do that on both sides both the conventional and the no-till so 18 plots plus some grass around the outside we've got over 60 observation wells uh, out there to try to pull groundwater samples um, the plots are 60 feet wide to match up with uh, farm equipment um, as well as custom application equipment and uh, we rotate corn and beans uh, try to we try to match up with some of the practices in the area that uh, are currently being done and we have been utilizing you know, some local farmers to uh, do a lot of the uh, actual field work and we've done some ourselves as far as uh, northern country co-op did you say in there the the nitrogen management plans that you've been using? If you did, I, I missed it. No, I did not get into the specifics. So the in the three trials that we have, or three systems, uh, again these are predominantly on corn. We do uh, one. Uh, it's 130 pounds of nitrogen all at planting, and these are rates based off of the U of M's uh, MN or uh, what. The soil, uh, they're recommended nitrogen based on the rotation there uh, and cost of nitrogen. So it's uh, 130 pounds of nitrogen all applied at planting. And then the second one is the same 130, but we put 80 pounds at planting and then we top dress 50 pounds of nitrogen at about oh, V6 corn, about knee high, not quite um, with the urea. And then we have a third treatment that we've done that the first year um, it's similar in that we utilize, try to utilize some technology nitrate sampling imagery modeling um, whatever we could uh, access and try to evaluate uh, we ended up basing most of it off of uh, nitrate sampling at that time so we put uh, 80 pounds at planting and then we came back with another 80 pounds in season uh, based on those results um, and we've utilized uh, stabilizers as far as um, like an ag retainer to MBPT products to minimize any volatility issues until we get rain. And then we have uh, a native grass treatment around the outside. When we have soybeans, it's just a no-till block versus a conventional till block. So there's really just two treatments in there. Nathan, it's probably appropriate that as I ask you about results the past three years that I preface it with the varying weather conditions that your part of the state has experienced. I think about how wet it was in 2019. In the last couple of growing seasons, we've had some pretty dry conditions, and I'm sure that factors into the results. It does. Um, in 2019, we were able to get, uh, one, we had very, we had good crops, but we also were able to get um, readings from our observation wells and that's been one of the challenges things we've learned but 
we have uh, observation wells that go down about 12 feet, which was sufficient when we put them in in 2019, and they've basically been dry ever since. So uh, we've been trying different styles of wells to uh, get get readings because of that. Um, we added in an additional little um, issue in 2020 when the, the co-op built the grain brand and we had to dewater the uh, ground to put a leg up and that um, we learned a new term called cone of depression that basically pulled the moisture levels down below our wells. So we struggled getting soil nitrate um, samples out of the water, but we have been doing uh, soil sampling to try to get some soil nitrate numbers to give us at least uh, something to work with and to evaluate. So is it best in your opinion to talk results in an aggregate, go year by year, or what is the best way of communicating what the results of the project have been so far? Uh, we've been uh, playing with a few different formats, so ourselves, to uh, look at it as we build more years of data. Um, you know, with, with, only, with three plots, and only, I guess only three plots, uh, if you have one that has something go wrong with it, it can definitely skew results. Um, so we try to take some of that with a grain of salt, and I do try to get out and scout somewhat regularly to uh, um, quantify those or at least identify them. So if we get an outlier, we have a reason and we know what happened. But in general, for the first year of corn, uh, we saw what was really expected based on other U of M trials. On sandy soils, split applied nitrogen um, was both economically and um, yield-wise the better way to go. The higher rate of nitrogen that we put on um, did give us a higher yield, but did not give us a higher economic return, meaning that the cost of nitrogen and the sampling that we had to do uh, cost more than what we gained in that year. Um, and I'll start with essentially the above ground side since that's my expertise. But when we've had beans, we've basically had very consistent yields. Uh, both um, first few years were the no-till versus conventional were very similar yield-wise. Um, we had some different economics based on cost of cover crop seed and getting that planted versus tillage. And we utilize um, the Iowa uh, survey for custom applicator rates to do our, uh, e you know, economic analysis plus what we charge for uh, inputs. Um, so generally, the yields were the same. Cover crops were a little bit less economically wise just because of those uh, differences in cost. Um, whereas if you looked at it with just straight no-till, some cases it was better economically. Uh, corn, the second time around, we were a lot drier, so we saw similar patterns. Again, the split application was better, and the third, the higher rates of nitrogen um, did provide a little better yield bump, but did not always provide an economic yield bump uh, in this situation. But we went from 190, 200 bushel corn in 19 in 2019 to about 160 bushel corn in 2021. Um, this beans last year we had challenges with um, cover crop termination, um, some miscommunication, and we had really good 
stand a cover crop too good of a stand. <laughs> uh, caused some issues with uh, standability and germination, and uh, we really had a bad, really ended up with a poor stand. And our uh, yields also showed that, uh, I mean, there was almost 30 bushel differences last year. Um, the, the regular conventional till was in that 60 to 70 bushel range, and our no-till beans that ended up with a stand between 20,000 to 100,000 plants an acre ended up with about a 35 bushel yield. And I mean, you could see it all year. They just didn't get didn't get off to the right start, and we didn't necessarily help it very well. So um, we, we're <laughs> We're learning, unfortunately, we learned the hard way on some of those. Uh, as far that's so that's the above ground portion. As far as below ground, you know, the, the more nitrogen you put on, we generally see higher nitrate levels, and which kind of follows in line. Um, one of the things that was a little surprising the first time I saw it was the soil nitrate levels are actually higher after soybeans than they are after corn. And but we don't apply nitrogen on beans as that comes from the beans generating their own nitrogen. So that's where a cover crop application after the beans is helpful in grabbing that. It's it's not a huge difference, but yet it was still uh, slightly higher after beans than was after corn. And um, we're still trying. You know, I don't have the latest nitrate levels. Um, back yet um, from the soil and water but um, we do see some variation but uh, you know it's been uh, and we're still trying to build that trend line on understanding that with the, the dry conditions it's, it's been a challenge to really get a good evaluation on that soil component and we're still really trying to figure out a more reliable way to, to track that um, Megan, as a conservation agronomist for Northern Country, let's bring you into the conversation. And I believe you said in your introduction that you've been with the co-op for, for a year. So uh, it sounds like you're not able to go back several years as far as observations. But what have you observed so far? Yeah, so um, actually we were pretty lucky this past year. We got some soil probes that we put in um, that measures moisture and temperature. So it measures multiple times a day. And then there's two different depths that it measures. Um, and I was just looking at some of the data recently from this past summer. And there's a couple of things that really stood out. The one is on the top um, 7.5 inches, the conventional side took um, a few days more to dry out after a heavy rainfall compared to the sustainable side. So um, that would benefit for things like spraying or even planting you know, trying to get out there as soon as you can compared to having to wait for the, the topsoil to dry out a little bit there. And then the other thing was um, on the bottom side of things, the sustainable generally had more moisture throughout the season. Um, so that really plays a role, especially with our sandy soil, as Nathan mentioned. Um, when we have heavier rainfalls and then kind of go into a drought, um, things like that, that it's good that the soil can hold our water um, for longer periods of time. Jeff, let's circle back to you here. And we've thrown a lot of information at our listeners. So what I like to do toward the end of a conversation like this is to summarize. And if you were to 
put together sort of a take-home message for corn farmers in Minnesota based on this project. What's your message to them? I, I guess my take-home is that I, I guess you know going back to why we started this project. I, I guess the biggest thing in my mind is uh, being good stewards of the ground and you know being more proactive as far as approaching this. You know, let's try to figure this out on our own. I shouldn't say on our own, but as a group and and how we're going to attack this moving into the future. Nathan, what's your take home? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, working together to evaluate um, and provide data so that we can be part of the solution versus um, receiving regulation uh, or input from others that um, you know, may have different agendas. It is uh, enjoyable to work with soil and water. You get a different perspective on on this project from them as versus what I'm used to looking at it. But uh, what we've learned is, you know, in two or three years of no-till, you can see significant increase in you know water penetration. Uh, I know Megan did a trial this summer on uh, as far as the speed that water moves in infiltration-wise. Uh, you know, and it does move through the soil. So you know, we're learning on that end of it. We are seeing improvements in soil health uh, through these practices. But, you know, no-till and all these things take some different management. And we're learning that the hard way and that, you know, you don't just go out and throw it out there and put it in the ground and all is good. You need to have the right equipment, uh, learn the right practices, techniques, um, talk to your neighbors or other people that do those practices and learn from them on what not to do so you don't have a 30 bushel hiccup uh, that can you just can't afford that so uh, you know it, it takes extra management and that's what we're trying to learn and understand better um, as a company for our agronomists to help our patrons and provide data as well as uh, other members of the corn grower community um, what uh, what we can do in a sandy situation and what's really going on in the ground uh, both above and below and how we can maximize and maintain yields while minimizing what we're losing. Let's going to add in there about the education aspect of uh, the instructor, lead ag, ag instructor at uh, Riverland, uh, Nick, is also um, involved at the high school there in Austin. And we've had, as well as 4-H and FFA, we've had groups tour there. Um, the uh, Riverland Community College go group goes out there and does uh, scouting, soil samples. Um, you know, they've done root uh, soil digs to look at soil structure. And then we've had a 4-H high school, even grade school kids come tour there as far as uh, part of uh, different days that the uh, 4-H might have in the summertime or spring and fall. Um, we've used that as a stop to uh, show with what we're doing, um, showcase some of the equipment that we use and the opportunities that are within agriculture uh, for jobs and careers and, uh, you know, to give them a spot to, again, that hands-on uh, aspect that Jeff was alluding to. Megan, is there anything else about this project that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, I I just think it's really neat that um, all these different contributors can come together and uh, learn about conservation. It's definitely one of the um, um, 
most innovative of other plots. Um, so, yeah, it's just neat to have everybody come together and learn about conservation. Like Nathan said, we definitely are um, going through some learning curves, but, um, you know, that we can just use that for more people to come. So, it looks like there's some information about the project at mncorn.org. Any place else that the three of you would point our listeners to if they'd like to follow up on this? You can go to www.moweerswcd.org. That's the Mauer County Soil and Water Conservation District. And in their research um, area, there is uh, the information that we, I believe the report that we've submitted to the corn growers is what, which includes a lot of our yield results, uh, plot data, um, some of the uh, events we've held out there. We had our first field day last year, finally, thanks to Megan to uh, you know, demonstrate what we're doing and uh, what, uh, what options are there and to share information. And between the three of you, we really haven't talked about what's to come. Anything you want to highlight about this project for 2023? So we're going back to corn in 2023, and we'll be implementing our uh, different nitrogen trials again. We have some, uh, we got a new weather station last year with some soil probe data that Megan alluded to, and uh, adding that layer of information into what we're doing, as well as uh, uh, just another year of data and trying to find, they've got a different, uh, they got some other wells, an idea for different wells to be able to get more water data to see if we can uh, improve that. But, um, you know, each year we keep trying to, uh, improve and figure out a better way. So that's what uh, 2023 has in store for us as a sustainable answer acre. Learn more about Minnesota Corn's research program at mncorn.org research.